You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. This week, we're covering something that's been out for a couple of weeks, basically. Yes. Uh, it's the information that we are now getting serialized cards mm -hmm. in Magic the Gathering. Uh, and what that means for Magic, what it could mean based on what it's done to sports, etc. TLDR, everything is terrible, the sky is falling. And with that, let's take it away. Yeah. So we, uh, we talked about in our set previews what was going to happen with Brothers War and the retro frame artifacts that were announced at that point and we had like two or three since then some of the verbiage around brothers war has been updated and now there's copy out there that includes text like back in time when describing both the set and the artifacts and particularly the retro frame artifacts are described as from all of magic's history so right we're looking at from essentially Alpha up through, I would assume, not DMU, but that is on the table. Uh, yeah. Ben Blyweiss, you know, doing the Lord's work, got us a lot of information up at the top. Retroframe artifact classics feature their own set symbol and can be found in draft, set, and collector boosters. They come in three versions, regular retroframe, retroframe quote-unquote schematics, which are going to have that kind of blueprint feel behind them and serialized retro schematics with double rainbow foiling, which I assume is the same kind of foiling they used in Modern Horizons 2 for yeah. the full art foil. The serialized versions are numbered with their number out of 500, and they'll only be available in collector boosters. So when we talked about Brothers War previously, we knew they were numbered out of 500, but we did not know that would only happen in collector boosters yet. So Ben got all of that information direct from either Maro or Watsi because that's what he does. Yeah. On top of that, it was announced that these will have their own rarity within the slots, so common, uncommon, rare, and mythic. Regular and foil versions are available in set boosters, and there are 63 total cards, each with a schematic and regular version. So when the Worm Coil was released, we saw it was 63. I don't, I think we saw it was 63, but I don't know if they said it was over 63. Now we know for certain that it is 63 of 63. There will be no more after that. And these can be found in draft and collector's boosters as well, but the information we've been able to glean thus far is about set booster numbers. That's it. So all that information from Ben and everything else I just gave you is basically from set boosters only, aside from the one tidbit about collectors and the serialization. So after that, now it's just straight screaming ahead into this. Yeah. Uh, so... One of the general things that I think is bad about serialization is it creates absurd downward pressure on mm -hmm. anything that isn't serialized. Now, obviously, we all want this to be an approachable hobby, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. It, every, everyone wants to be able to play with anyone they want. Uh, and this kind of piggybacks on how awful the $1,000 booster packs are. Uh, but I digress. Uh, the issue with this creating negative down, like, downward pressure on singles prices is at the LGS level because mm -hmm. it becomes significantly harder because one of the best margins you can get on items as an LGS right now is singles and margins on singles are garbage. And the reason for that is I don't want to sell board games because I am controlled by the manufacturer what I can sell. And the manufacturer is selling it for a lower price through Amazon. Same as Wizards of the Coast with sealed product. And that sucks for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll bring some examples of this, basically. So okay. this is from, you know, my personal purchase history on eBay. Uh, so I collect a guy named Drew Pearson, who was a wide receiver for the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys because I'm an idiot. So one of these that I bought was numbered to 20. And this was this is going in sequential order. This was my first purchase to the more recent. So the first purchase I got was numbered out of 20, and I only paid $28. Now, the next one I bought was numbered to 25, and I paid $15 for it. After that, 
I bought a five out of five. There's only five of this card in existence, and it's $26, which was less expensive than the $27.99 card that I got. Then the last one I got was basically something that's similar to these blueprints mm -hmm. is exclusive to the equivalent of a collector booster for sports product called First Off the Line. Uh, and this was numbered to 13 and cost almost twice as much as the copy that was numbered to five out of the normal booster pack. Now, what does this mean for Magic? Well, if these are exclusive to collectors, it is going to even further emphasize the need to purchase collector boosters in order to get your value out of a set. Yep. Uh, which we've seen from every set since collector boosters were a thing significantly deflates the value of every other card. Mm -hmm. it, it just does. Because yes. there are so many more collector boosters being opened now that full art versions of cards are less expensive than the regular versions. Or foils, like we were talking about before the cast. Before the cast, where all of a sudden, after about three or four listings, the non-foil is more expensive than the foil card. When I was building pauper decks and I wanted Deadly Disputes, it was a dollar cheaper to get foils because of collector boosters. So it's just making it more and more difficult now as an LGS to kind of surf these waters and make money on it and it's just a bad feeling i i don't like it i know a lot of people i've had this conversation ad nauseum over the last couple weeks yep. everybody loves it they think it's the coolest thing in the world i'm like guys no this is like i everyone loves when cards are affordable until they're trying to make money off selling their collection yes and then they wonder why it's not and this is why I was talking to some people about this over the last couple of weeks at FNM and then uh, an Infinity Draft, and the only thing that I like about this serialization compared to the Store Champ style that they did with Coco and also Worm Coil, yeah, right, and then the serialization of the Viserysir, is that there's more opportunity for somebody to actually put together a run on yeah. a play set and play a serialized set, you know, one through four. Uh, going to be very difficult because we don't know if they will all be opened and if history has taught us anything about this game, we know not all the products will be opened. It will be put in safes because yep. that's what people do. So that will be very difficult, but that'll be interesting to see when people do it. Or they'll just run whatever they can, you know, and they want the serialized stuff because it looks cool, schematics, what have you. As far as the, the downward pressure is concerned... I came at this from a, a different angle, but very, very similar. We we uh, we used a different formula, but came to the same answer, and it is that regardless of serialization, we're going to see downward pressure on the rest of the singles, but it's going to be the singles that matter. And what I mean by that is the co the closest equivalent that we have to this is the Time Spiral remastered singles. Yeah. And when you start looking at the prices of those cards, cards that don't matter, like Thraben Inspector, the prices on the, the the regular versions of any printing didn't really change. But the cards that matter for constructed formats and Commander... Thoughtseize. Yes. Uh, you absolutely see downward pressure on all the other versions or the majority of the other versions of those cards. So it is a, very much a ripple. We thought to check in on the blueprints, but because it was such a scattered release as secret layers made into people's hands, it was very difficult to kind of trace that back. But that was kind of another equivalent we thought about because it had the same style. Yeah. And it had some higher impact cards like Lightning Greaves and Panharmonicon. And when we look at this list that we have right now, we only have one, two, three, four, seven of these artifacts in front of us. Howling Mine, Ivory Tower, J uh, Jalom Tome, Lodestone Golem, Mishra's Bobble, Phyrexian Revoker, and Worm Coil Engine. And it is basically the latter three that are really going to put pressure on the prices of their other of the other reprint equivalents there yeah. are like three four or five printings of worm coil engine now i don't remember how many commander decks it's been in and this is going to push the price down on all of them Frexian revoker saw a little bit of a bump like you mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this because of the death shadow you can just pay into it to reduce your life total it's also good when like dice factory is decent and modern it's an okay look in other formats, vintage, etc. This will push down on that. Mishra's Bobble has a habit of becoming 12 to $20, depending on what's going on in modern. So this is going to put downward pressure on that, absolutely. These are going to be the cards that people are going to be cracking collector's boosters for, especially for serial serialization, when they are highly playable. Absolutely. 
and that's just going to wreak havoc at all levels. And at the end of the day, I think that's going to be absolutely terrible for the LGS, especially if they do look to stock deep on singles. But at the same time, if people are buying their CBs from an LGS, that might not be the worst thing. Although, like you mentioned, your margins are there, but they're a lot slimmer on sealed than they are on the singles themselves. Yeah. And I, I think one of the telling things is, you know, with serialization as evidenced by the, you know, purchase prices yep. I had for those cards. Uh, it is significantly more important to be first to market than it is for just a singles release. Like, you have a race to the absolute bottom. Yes, yeah. On a release day for sets. I... You will not have this. But there will be a disparity there. I mean, li literally, just look at the Viscerous here. Uh, if you're in the misprint oddities group, the first Viscerous here sold for like $15,000 mm -hmm. when it first broke. The last one that sold, sold for barely over two. And sure, that's $2,000. That's a decent amount of money. Yeah. The issue is, okay, well, I'm kind of boned because I didn't open it soon enough, so mm -hmm. I could have made a bunch more money, which creates volatility in the market, which is bad. Yeah, uh, provenance is very important. And one of the things we yeah. talked about earlier is, and I, I wasn't able to follow up on this because there were only a hundred of them, of this hundred viscerous years made total, there weren't that many haha -ha funny numbers. There was the Providence number, number one, and 69, her, her, in yeah. that printing. In this one, we also get 420, and yeah. whatever anybody else wants to meme on from this. And whether or not those carry any kind of premium, we don't know. But because there are 500 of these now, Providence is going to be very difficult to declare, and it's going to be time stamping, so that's going to be fun to see happen live. Yeah. It's uh, it's speaking from like the sports perspective. It's always a timestamp, and it's like here's my ID with the date written down next to it in the card. Yes, yeah. That's my provenance, and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. But that that's for me. That's going to be interesting. I assume I might be working that pre-release weekend, so I won't be able to keep up with it. But like throughout the day, I'm sure Twitter will light up. Yeah, uh, I, I will actually be at the uh, Star City Philly, which is a pre-release for Brothers War, so I can't wait to tell everyone that comes up with blueprint cards that are serialized, I don't know what to pay you. Sell it on Facebook. Yep, right, that's the best. Because the market will decide. Yep. And that's literally what it's going to be. And that's, you know, it, it reminds me kind of, you know, you're going to get a lot of no's for this stuff because the big difference between magic and sports is there's no buy list for sports because of serialization serialization means i can't i don't know what i can pay you on this mm -hmm. because there's no sales history like there is with magic the gathering i know what i can pay you for volcanic island because there's tens of thousands of sales of volcanic island in the last month mm -hmm. but if there's only 500 copies of a card in the entire distribution line of english print product there may be some number of that that isn't opened so i've got to pay you based on liquidity sales history and the fact that in a week three more of these could be opened up and all of a sudden the price is half what it was because there's that much more on the market yeah it, it's it's bad for everyone i i don't like it i think it's terrible stickers are garbage mtg 30 is garbage Everything is terrible. Thanks, Hasbro. Oh, it's it, it's a good, good, fun time. One of the things that was fun for me looking at this was looking to see actually what the prices on TSR cards did to their non-foil equivalent. And like I said, the, the, the list is pretty expansive. But what happened is kind of, for the most part, downward pressure. But it's a little, yep. like, all over the place. You start out with, like, Ponder and Path. And what happens is that those cards kind of, like, crash to new lows. Yeah. Path picks up a little bit because modern changes and it becomes a, a slightly better card. Remand, like the last uncommon that kind of matters in that set entirely, it stabilizes. Remand actually stabilizes yeah. after the TSR printing, but then immediately falls out of modern and tanks. Druni Nemesis is funny because that thing just keeps sliding into nothingness. The TSR promo doesn't actually change the slope on that at all, and the TSR, not promo, the retro art, goes with it. They just down into nothingness 
Then uh, my favorite one actually was Sanguine Bond. Nothing can yeah. stop Sanguine Bond. M10 Sanguine Bond did not budge. It is the only card that saw no change out of all the, the commander and constructed cards like that. It's just a juggernaut. It's in two core sets. It's in some commander and other supplementaries. And that card will never come back. Doesn't until, matter. Yeah, until it's reprinted in standard. Nothing can stop Sanguine Bond. Uh, Modern Horizons 2 foil Yawgmoth completely stagnates after TSR. Just ropes. Now, this another one that's interesting is the Champions of Kamigawa Kikijiki in foil. That is unaffected by the Time Spiral Remastered uh, retro frame. And actually sees new highs, but non-foil Champion of Kamigawa Kikijiki takes a huge hit, and no other versions seem affected. So then, uh, the effectively known as the Ninja Turtle art doesn't change. So that's all the Modern Masters reprints, nothing. Yeah. Uh, similar to True Name Nemesis, every single foil version of Abrupt Decay also slides into nothingness. I think that also has something to do with uh, Modern changing as well and Abrupt Decay. Well, Jund being a bad deck essentially. Yeah. Now, so they all fall out of format, like Remand. Uh, Chalice of the Void is an interesting use case as well. That stagnates the foil before seeing growth four months later and coming back up. Masterpiece Chalice of the Void uh, actually sees upward movement from TSR. That was kind of interesting because people have like just kind of scrambled into that version of the card as the more unique version. Yep. And somewhere after that, I think the Judge promo hits... And it does see a slight stagnation for a couple months. And there is a huge spike in the price of that card, but I don't consider that rush to be real. That seems more like FOMO, similar to Masterpiece, where people are just moving into a more unique version of the card than the same art with an old border. Yeah. And then the last toy I looked at, pure EDH cards. Foil Kaladesh Panharmonicon, which we touched up at the top, we, it sees a price shrink for 13 months then eventually rebounds and vanquisher's banner all versions saw price retraction after tsr with a rebound about nine months later so that's what the tsr inserts did to the majority of the constructed cards that were in that set highly playable and the commander cards that were in that set and that's the downward pressure that i expect we will see like you mentioned up top across not just this time the older versions, but every version, foil and not, because we're going to be chasing these in collector boosters now. We're going to be chasing the blueprints or uh, schematics in set boosters. So there's going to be more people opening them. This isn't just drafting TSR for fun and profit, because that's what that set was. It was not a standard set. That's yeah. the other thing. The population of those cards were introduced into the, to the ecosystem through draft and buying the box. Not standard, which is our next uh, regional, what do you want to call it? Our next professional season, our next OP season. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I think one of the important things is that this, you know, they tested the waters with the Viscera Sears, and everyone thought they were cool. Yeah. Uh, and they test, they're going to test a standard print run with this stuff because they already did Time Spiral Remastered where they had these inserts and, you know, retro border. And obviously we have Dom Remastered yes. coming with more old border treatments. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, again, you know, to beat a dead horse, harkens back again and again and again to one of the only stable investments, if not the only stable investment in Magic, is the reserved list. Uh, and we'll see what happens with MTG30 and those $1,000 beta packs where I'm limited to two basics, which doesn't feel good because let me tell you, as someone who's opened some beta packs, I could get like six basics from yes. those bitches, okay? So that's kind of underwhelming for me. And there's but... video evidence because there is the beta draft at Vegas and the one at Gen Con that are... Gen Con, yep. Both on camera. Yeah, uh, but... I think that this is a precedent that is likely not going away anytime soon. No. Because I, you know, to make a sports analogy out of this, uh, Hasbro reminds me a lot of Jerry Jones. Anytime a decision is made, Hasbro is responsible for it. So whatever they decided to do with that product, that's why it worked. Anytime it doesn't work, or it doesn't work, someone else is to blame every single time. Okay. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. I, I expect that this product will sell incredibly well and it will convince Hasbro 
that they need to continue to release products like this with Wizards of the Coast. Uh, referencing the eighth, the M30 or whatever it is packs, or the the Brothers War stuff. The Brothers War serialization. Okay. Uh, I, I think that this is the first of many waves of this type of thing to come. Yeah. In a mass release product that is not like a insert rare, like a secret layer type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that this set will sell well enough that you need to start expecting this to be the standard that we get serialized cards in sets. Yeah. Uh, and that's awful. Yeah, it's testing the waters to make sure that people actually want to play with their serialized cards as well, because previously they yeah. were just for collections. You mentioned the Viscerous here, which is literally serialized, but then there's also the Persistent Petitioners. Yeah, which, with the different arts and everything. Yes, which are technically yeah. serialized because of that. And yeah. there's no constructed format where either one of those cards are illegal. There's sure Commander, but really no one person can own that many alt art persistent partitioners mainly because i don't know if that many were opened or if they were i don't know how they were sold so yeah. that makes it a little bit difficult for both watsi and and hasbro to get a sense for what people want in that regard mm -hmm. and i think this is going to hammer that point home like you said again i don't know how they're going to measure that beyond success from sales but yeah yeah, why not push it? And it is also a continuous reminder that they lied about the old border treatment being, or their old borders being unprintable. Hey guys, I thought you said you couldn't do the thing, and yeah. now you're telling me you can do the thing. Don't get me wrong. I'll buy whatever old border card I need to finish out the deck. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me that much that it's a specialty product because, yeah, I'm the boomer and evolve the product over time. I get it. You know, I don't... Not everybody wants the Quartz chess set. Yeah. But the people who do are going to buy it when when they see fit. And yep. I will pick up what I need to to make the deck look good. You know, I have my chromatic spheres, but I can't old border the rest of that dumbass Tron deck besides the Lance, obviously. Yeah. But I can't do the rest of it yet. It's unplayable and modern, but I'll Soon. still old border it when they do the rest of it. I'm really hoping we do get chromatic star to go along with the worm coil, and then that moves us along a little bit, and I'm yeah. happy. You know, I bought the past in flames. I. I play Lorwyn Ponders, so that one's interesting. Okay. Because they didn't reuse that art, but I'll yeah. get the preordains kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I'm in for it, and I know that that part of the product will be for me. I'm not going to chase them, and I don't care about the serialization aspect of it. And I, I think without knowing that, it's kind of a disservice to the players, but at the same time, you make the cards good enough, and people will chase it. Yeah. I, I just there is a lingering question that I have which is again who is this for and I don't know if there's a clear answer the old border and the regular schematics in foil I get the serialization I don't there's yeah. no game worn jersey that you can slap on a howling mine to serialize it you know that way you have to do it with numbers and what does it matter if somebody in your commander pod has Howling Mine number 73? Yeah. Like, I, I think that this, cool. this is one of those, like, who's it for mm -hmm. that is just incidentally, some you know, uh, someone may purchase an extra pack or two. Yeah. Someone may buy an extra box. Here's a... Oh, someone someone hit it. Guess what? Three more people are suddenly now going to try to chase it out of some other product. You yeah. Know? Here, here's a thank you for continuing to buy this product. Here's a more limited release of what you were looking for. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Then that makes sense. I just don't know who is going to chase it otherwise. And at the end of the day, what is meant to be done with this product? How are you supposed to engage with it? Because some of the cards just don't look that great right now we have ivory tower and jalom tome and like yeah the old heads can tell you what it was like playing against four ivory tower back in 1994 yeah but when the deck was king with jalom tome yeah exactly right and that was a time in magic that will never come back 
then it's not like you need those cards for old school anyway. So there does exist the, well, why, why these choices? And all of that will get investigated over time. Similarly with the impact of the M35 or A, sorry, M30 or A30, whatever it is, stuff, the burden of cost will be placed on the early adopters. Yeah. And that could be exactly what this is. People could buy into this looking for serialization and it could crap out. Do I think that'll happen? No, I agree. They'll, they'll serialize when they think they need to, to to drum up more interest or what have you. And the cost will reduce over time for that stuff because you can't keep pumping out the same look as we found. We, yeah. We have the Masterpiece you series. You can't. They did lands and they moved on to artifacts and then spells. Clear. Mm -hmm. we, we thought we'd get enchantments with Theros. We didn't. There is There is a way to go. So they could step through it, they could end it, and at the end of the day, each one of these is going to put some real downward pressure on the reprints. It's going to kind of wreak havoc on the LGS ecosystem, like you mentioned, and it's going to be hell on wheels as a vendor. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Just wait until... Let's see, we talked about this. It's a month from, uh, from now, as, as of recording, for Brothers War pre-release. I would assume in the next couple of weeks when we get back to Brothers War spoilers, if you start paying attention to Ben Blywis, he's going to have a meltdown over how he needs to skew these items for Star City. Yeah. So if you really want to get in touch with what this is going to be like from the vendor side of things, start paying attention to his Twitter, his Twitter account because it'll... Solid gold. Oh yeah, it'll get interesting real quick as he starts pinging Watsy every hour with questions about how this product is going to work so they could start putting it in their system for pre-release cannot wait yeah picks let's do it all right um i think yours is going to be way more interesting to have at the end so i'm going to talk about this really boring okay. green card hey it's a green card yeah, i know back, baby not only is it green but it's also an enchantment for enchantress and commander so uh we're towing back into the well and i think this is the final enchantress piece in the list because sith's harvest hand is just kind of floating right now uh, and it's Eidolon of Blossoms, which is a staple in Enchantment and Enchantress decks. And if you yeah. look at the price on it, it hits after Theros, and uh, it, it's played for a hot second. That's when it spikes up to like four bucks, and then it just craters, rides along forever, ride, ride or die at a dollar. Neo, Kamigawa comes out, we get all these cool enchantment pieces, it spikes and basically plateaus, and that's why we're looking at things now, because this, this, this price is finally held. And along with the price on the open market, uh, the Card Kingdom buy list is finally reacted, which is what we're looking for. I wanted to make sure there was a little bit of action on this and that things held solid before I brought it up. So when you look at this card, where does it go in Commander? Where's, where's it playable? And as I mentioned, this is an Enchantress decks or decks that are heavily enchantment based. And that could be anything from just like here in their constellation to Voltron style decks, which I'll talk about a little uh, a little later. And when you look at this card within the format, you know this follows along with the rest of the Enchantress style pieces we looked at thus far, and it's another cog in the wheel. This is a redundant draw effect that triggers when it enters the battlefield, unlike other options. But it's a piece that can be searched for with any number of creature tutors available to green, which makes it rather appealing. Now there are two. There are three other green enchantresses, the same effect that can be tutored for as well, but this makes it a lot more savory than just the enchantment-based options. That's the comparison point there. Now, the three mana value slot in the enchantress deck is rather full with options. A number of those are creatures, but the additional mana of on Eidolon of Blossoms gives you an enchantment creature, which will then trigger your other enchantress effects, which is unique among all the other options. That's Satessin Champion, that's this little green-white nerd from a core set, uh, yeah. that is... Yavamaya enchantment or enchantress, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Seder Enchanter, that's the name of it. Uh, yeah, and it, it like Sanctum Weaver, it itself is an enchantment, so that's kind of, it, that's just gravy on, on top, right? So it's going to trigger all your other enchantress effects, which makes it the standout. And I would really consider this foundational to any enchantment strategy especially when you're looking at Voltron strategies because, again, this triggers itself 
and it is an enchantress so you can suit it up yep. like a regular enchantress and just kind of get the job done and when we're looking at voltron style strategies that's kind of underrepresented on edh rec you don't see uh, a lot of it here on the surface uh, i believe estrid can usually be an enchantress based theme uh i think tatsunari uh, can be but we don't see oh earl the mist stalker is obviously an enchantress theme but we don't see things like toski which is usually a voltron style general and toski is a wielder of equipment but can also be uh, an enchantress style deck where you just suit toski up with a bunch of enchantments and go a lot of umbras mono yeah. green makes it a little difficult you only have so many umbras in front of you that's why earl is a little more appealing Astrid is a little more appealing set this a little more appealing for these voltron style decks but you just go really tall on one or two creatures with a bunch of enchantments and have at it for the timeline uh i removed this from my list actually for a really long time because of that stagnation i pointed out and af especially after the mh2 release but i added this back <clears throat> after the Neon Dynasty hype died off a bit. The card cooled, and CK's Biolist adjusted. And I'll get more to that little bit on a moment in the timeline section. In the last three months, we've seen 570 LP copies sold. In the same time, we've seen about 490 Near Mint copies sold. And almost every order is for one copy each, supporting the idea that this is not part of a constructed Enchantress deck, but rather a Commander Enchantress deck did a little bit of digging on decks and this does pop for M for modern enchantress but that's not really a thing so if demand remains close to constant we'll see supply drain within the next three to six months which is when i would expect a spike on the open market now about ck's buy list you will have to babysit these as when price and quantity raise enough and i'm putting that word in quotes because i cannot define that well at ck it's jumped on and a large amount is sent sent in reducing the price so when i added this as my pick they were buying 88 copies at a dollar 50 two to three days later somebody had uh, they had received over 40 and they're buying them now at 90 cents that's what happens when this rises up on the buy list. People are ready to sell. You have to babysit this. So this is going to be a slow drip out. I think this is going to be starting in maybe four to six months. Profit to buy list. You'll be able to trade these out if you have an Enchantress player. But it's going to be easier to move them in your binder because that's just constant you're always there the market price is pretty solid then to ck where you literally have to hawk this thing as far as reprint equity is concerned i'm unsure what we'll see in the future with this card as we saw a reprint in commander 2018 alongside a list reprint however after that we received a number of other enchantress effects at a lesser mana value including the key enchantress's presence which might outshine this as a target for a reprint if we do receive an enchantment based commander deck in the next year or two i would expect that we catch a reprint there which will which would stagnate the pick even further but that does not mean the price floor is going to drop past where it is now we're almost six months out from the spike and things have held so i'm confident that a commander reprint in the next year or two will not tank this price it just goes along with that slow drip idea now buy quantity these are currently selling for about three to like four dollars each on the open market depending how many you're buying and from whom and i think maybe a dozen if you were going to be outing this to buy list, if you're going to be trading these, I think four is probably the butter zone. Eight is the maximum I would go for. I was playing through this entire time. So I have like infinite of these and infinite of the, uh, the helper from Origins that came like right before or after this that reduces the mana value of enchantments. They just played super well in the Constellation deck that was really popular towards the end of that commander that standard season, so I just scooped them. And unlike Doomwake Giants, I didn't bulk them out. <laughs> I didn't think Doomwake Giant had anything to do with any format uh, other than standard, but yeah. green is the enchantment 
color right now or from then on so it made sense to hold on to eidolons if i didn't have any like i said i think i would probably pick up a dozen because i don't mind just spending the what is it like 40 ish bucks or so on them to shoebox them for the time being but i am aware of the fact that it's going to take a while and a lot of hawking of the ck buy list for this yeah uh i i the thing i like about this is that even i i think the potential reprint equity loss is obviated by the fact that we periodically do just get you know a random enchantment set and what happens every single time all of the relevant enchantment effects go up in price yeah. that's just how it works mm -hmm. and that's great i love that it's oh yeah fantastic it makes my life easy it's it's awesome and i'm really looking forward to the fact that you know this also it's not quite plane specific but the only place we've ever had enchantment creatures has been theros and commander product which at this point isn't independent of the set mm -hmm. it, it is directly tied into the set that is released and unless i'm mistaken since we just did the episode about where we're going next year there isn't any Theros stuff coming up. No. There can be enchantment stuff, because enchantresses were big on Dominaria, but we're not getting Theros again. So no. I wouldn't expect to see a reprint we, anytime soon. We talked about this a little bit in the review episode, about how Urza's Saga, the set, presented itself as an artifact set but was designed as an enchantment based set yep and i think your point about we are on dominaria might lead to a small mea culpa with that and they might make one of these sets a little more enchantment themed than we might think but the eidolons yep. themselves are stuck on the plane that's the important part yeah kamigawa had the 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 goshintais and like yeah they, they extended the idea of the artifact creature to that set uh, though narrowly and there's not a lot there to your point and then um modern horizons had sanctum weaver or whatever it is which is a pick of mine from a while back so yeah. we've definitely been uh picking the bones of this corpse for a while but the only time we've seen an eidolon reprint was great revel in a supplemental so, yes, to your point, absolutely. I don't think we'd ever see this card come back in a standard set unless we go back to Theros for a third time and they decide to bring the Eidolons back for whatever reason. Yeah. So. All right. Your pick, on the other hand, has no uh, first name. It has no first name. I don't even know what to say. Just Goblin. Yep. It's, it's, it's the Goblin from Infinity. Uh, before I start this... Uh, I want to say stickers are bad, attractions are bad, and they're going to kill magic. But I'm picking no first name goblin. Why? The card is insane. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it's ETB, throw a name sticker on it, add one red for every vowel. Well, there's like 70% of the stickers are literally mana positive for this card. This is a ritual that swings. Uh, it's a ritual that reanimates. Mm -hmm. It's a ritual that you can easily go infinite with because for some dumb reason stickers are perpetual and exist on the card in every phase every so, public zone yeah every public zone so i sack it to ashdod's altar guess what i get more mana from it if i have enduring renewal or something mm -hmm. out and i just bounce it back to my hand there are so many ways to abuse this card and i specifically am going for the galaxy foil of this card um, as the example I'm going for. Why? Because galaxy foils are one step removed from serialization. So there we go in theme with the episode. Now, this card is sold out everywhere in galaxy foil. And I know this because I bought them all today. All two of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I need them for pauper. Um, in terms of quantity, the thing about the legal infinity stuff is it is very much a card-by-card -card basis. Wait, because oh. a lot of them could just be EDH cards. One of the names is Snickerdoodle. One, two, three. That has five vowels in it. Yeah. Sorry, you're going off on this card, and I'm literally reading <laughs> sticker names. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's absurd. 
Uh, and it could be an EDH card. It is definitely a constructed card because mm -hmm. it has a con incredibly relevant creature type yes. to multiple eternal formats in Goblin. Uh, that's relevant in Pauper. That's relevant in Legacy. It has some relevance in Vintage and Modern. Yes. Guess what? Goblin Snoop is one of the best combo decks in Modern right now. Turbo Muxus Goblins is a great combo and aggro and stacks deck in Legacy. There are so many ways for this card to be abused that there is no way that a product which is as illiquid, as poorly ordered, as Unfinity yep. should maintain a price point below $10 for long. Uh, this is something that I fully expect 1,000% will hit the $30 to $40 range within the year probably at this point, especially if we get an announcement that all of a sudden, boom, we're getting a modern pro season after Pioneer, which it seems like would be the likely choice. Yeah, from what we uh, talked about, Q3 just seems like a decent look. Yeah, and especially on the heels of the announcement today or yesterday, was it with all of the changes coming to Moto? Okay, we know that's coming, and we know they're going to start to emphasize that platform. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what Moto has that Arena doesn't? Modern. Yep. So if you really want to emphasize the platform, that's one way you can do it. Uh, and it, it's just this card has so much potential, and this is not just this card. This is me kind of in theme with some of my recent picks calling attention to look there are very cool cards in this set that likely have absurd eternal impact yes uh the one i am choosing is galaxy foil no name nameless whatever goblin uh because i think less than ten dollars is too affordable for this card uh, i think it's easily 30 to 40 within six months to a year and i think it's the kind of thing that you can probably just pick up from people in trades they can walk up to your booth and you can offer them probably next to nothing for this. Yeah. I think the most difficult part about this card is going to be which sticker sheets are the ones that need to go with this. And as I'm looking through this, there's a sticker sheet. I don't even know what number it is. I don't know how these are <laughs> displayed on yeah. stocks. One of the names is Delusionary. Yeah. Yeah, and I, That's I think that all is... five? incredibly ironic as we're talking about this this card yeah oh yeah guacamole is on there like unsanctioned like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not gonna be that difficult to find 10 stickers that have uh four yeah uh three at the least so oh I, actually this might be important for people that don't know when you have a sticker card in your deck uh and this is all very poorly explained in the release notes and i talked about this to uh, shocker a forever long uh, an l2 that was found under a rock when they started the judge program <laughs> now turned ra because covid said don't travel and he said that's fine we'll let this yep. lapse stickers are written out on your deck sheet there have to be your deck list they have yep. To be identified so you're probably gonna say sticker sheet and then x over y whatever Number, it is yeah whatever, you have yeah. to have 10 sticker sheets at the beginning of a game you are assigned three of them randomly we don't know how that happens we don't know exactly where in your area of play all of your sticker sheets exist if your opponent gets to look at them if and or, or when you present them exactly when they become relevant at the beginning of a game etc so there does exist the opportunity as we're looking for the, through these sticker sheets that in the 10 you might have two or three or four where it's mana neutral not mana positive but your opportunity to random into those three when you start the game and you are signed your sticker sheets should be rather low you should be able yeah. to hit mana positivity off one of those sheets fairly reliably and for anybody who looks at this especially from a play aspect remember that you have to get your sheets to go along with this and you have to have 10 yep so they are just kind of like a tag along thing um i assume there will be some reddit resource out there shortly in the goblin sub that <laughs> goes through which sticker sheets you want for greatest effect yep and greatest opportunity uh but that that's really the only note i i have about this i didn't this was my pack one pick one this card was my pack one pick one that put me in stickers and i shifted to bant in time 
But I read it, and I was like, this thing is ridiculous. This is just a ramp spell. I don't understand yep. how... Like, th- like, that was my thought process. I'm like, there's no acorn stamp at the bottom of this card. This is constructed playable. How is this constructed playable when it is mana neutral at worst and mana positive at best, especially for goblins, let alone yeah. a red card like this? Like, it's not going to be Seething Song. You're not going to get five mana off of this all that often uh, actually because uh, you got to hit your like two stickers right out yeah. of the 10 you're not going to seething song all that often but they banned seething song in modern like you're going off at sorcery speed in modern this is a sorcery that's also a tutu it's got legs it can, yeah it's it can, so much better it can shin you like, yeah the, it's an ankle biter for sure yeah the, the applications of this card are well, i mean it won't be played in modern because it's not legal there are like pretty deep yeah. Oh my god, if I watch what's his face that just champions um Tez Bryant Cook. Yeah, Mr. Cook. Yeah. <laughs> you can't burning <laughs> wish for this. No, sadly. But man, if you could. Yeah, if I start seeing Bryant Cook play this card in Storm in Legacy, I know the format has changed for the worse and I should just stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think this card is nuts. I played, like, everything else that was stickered and banned, and it all felt pretty good. It all felt pretty even. We talked about Pincushion as the only other uh, sticker card yeah. that's, like, over the top, but I, I don't think it's nearly yeah. as good as this. There's some cool activated abilities, so Pincushion becomes, like, a 2 or a 3 mana value card that only gives plus, yeah. one, plus 1, but then your creature can, like, tap for 2 colors for, to spend only a creature mana. You can, um... It gets good. Yeah, you can give it, like, Magecraft, and it creates this, like, longer game thing. It doesn't, like create a combo turn like this thing does yeah well okay one of them is double prowess that's actually not that bad that's real good yeah but there's i think there's so little opportunity for the abilities to be nearly as good or overpowering as a three mana red ritual that also has legs like yeah yeah it it is like it, it it looked to me in a vacuum to be easily the most powerful of all of them yeah absolutely uh it's weird there's for anybody that cares, there's no rare in or mythic in this set that does not have, sorry, that has the ticket icon on it or say make a sticker that isn't an attraction that has a litany of other abilities. Yeah, it, they stop it on common stickers are kept very uh, like very depressed in the set because I I have the feeling having played the one draft that I did. It was almost like cheating. Yeah. And they knew this. That if you draft this set and you stay away from the acorn symbol, you're doing it wrong per Watsi, but right if you want to do well. And I think that's kind of the key to the overpowering aspect of some of that some of those cards could have had. Yeah. And we see it here that one of them might have actually made it out. Oh no, Watsy made a design mistake? I don't know. Ah, uh, who couldn't, couldn't have. Yeah, who couldn't could have. have seen that coming? But, Nobody. Yeah, uh, I like the pick. I, I, like you mentioned, it's relevant to so many things, and I think this is going to fly under the radar for uh, a little bit of time until somebody spikes an event with a random infinity card in a deck. And then all of a sudden, all of them start yeah. spiking because everyone looks. There's a question that I have that I don't know if you have the answer and i don't know if anybody does right now how much of this set is on moto or will be on moto um i don't actually know because they sure as heck are not going to put the entire set on moto yeah and i don't know if they made an announcement as to when the rest of the set will be on moto i haven't seen anything i know they changed the redemption process uh today yeah i saw mention of that but that could also depress popularity of this card giving people the opportunity to kind of stalk tcg player and look for this yeah so it if you are thinking you want to get in you might have a little bit longer than you think to wait for copies to pop up because the opportunity for visibility on this card seems kind of low but yeah i would you know get in while the getting's good Oh, yeah. Right. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. I just need to figure out how to search for this card. Hey, I found it. It was more <laughs> obnoxious than I thought. How'd you find it? 
Uh, I copied. So you sent me the link to stocks. Yeah. Then I copied the name from stocks. Oh, no, sorry. From stocks, I clicked on buy on TCG player. That takes me to the Galaxy Foil, which is no longer in stock. There's not a button that says see all versions. So I copied the name on TCG player, pasted it back in, and got there. If you are curious, though, it is one, two, three, four, five underscores before Space Goblin. That is so dumb. To be fair, though, this is Magic's first time, I think, experimenting with this. It is not the first rodeo for Pokemon. No. They... Pokemon's been doing this for a while, so TCG player is well equipped. But it's just going to be like plus one mace. This is just going to make uh, what is it? April Lee's life hell or whoever. Yeah, she's the Scryfall. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, but yeah, I I like the pick. I I think it's uh, a good look overall for a card that is playable. So if you're a Goblins player, you're a combo player, what have you. You should probably pick up this card and start figuring out the sticker sheets you need. And if you're looking to spec, I think this is also a really good look. Uh, either the Galaxy Foil, maybe even the Set Foil, because that actually has some population behind it. Yeah. And I think no matter what you can get, this is going to be a good, easy move. Very good. Um, yeah. Like So you expect that there's like a $10 minimum on this. Do you think that the like an assumed popularity would warrant picking up more than a second play set no i think the two play sets is the most i'd be willing to go in on okay. uh, and i i when i say play sets i mean the edh play sets so 10 total would be the most i would go for okay uh and that's you know you get your two edh players and your eternal players if they decide to run four but who knows what the final number is uh whatever that may be you've got it covered up to four yeah okay that makes sense so um, I just wanted to make sure we had uh, that in front of us because I couldn't remember we talked about it. But For sure. Anything else before we cut out? Nope, good to go. All right, so we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube. If you want to get touch in touch with us on Twitter, you can hit us there, or you can hit us individually. You are... At Thirsty Sizzler. I am at Halt. I am Reptar, and we'll see you next week.